welcome back to They Made Another One, where each week we study an often forgotten installment in a franchise and see how it holds up all on its own. I'm one of your hosts, Corey. And I'm your other host, Liam. And last week is an, it's an episode that may never be topped for a variety of reasons. Never mind the length, but just the sheer, the sheer lunacy of it all, the madness of it all, the, the kneel of it all. And there's a lot going on. So this week, we're, we're kind of scaling things back a little bit. We're finding our sweet spot, which is, uh, you know, sequels that people genuinely forgot about, may not even realize exist, potentially don't even know that the first movie exists. Not in an obscure, like, Poison Ivy way, but not totally removed from that. In the effort of having a potentially less chaotic episode i just want to say hey liam how's it going how are you doing how have you been lately oh man i've been great i mean well maybe that's an overstatement oh, no. you know the world kind of you know how the world is right now mm-hmm. um i would timestamp this episode in particular but i think if you guys listen to this episode in the next like three years you'll know what period <laughs> of time we're talking about it will uh, be ongoing <laughs> Yeah, so like that, that all sucks. But other than that, I'm doing good, man. Uh, I just watched Black Christmas again, uh, the original one, and I think it might have solidified it as my favorite horror movie of all time. I think it's so, so perfect and scary and cool. And um, I just, I love everything about it. I've gotten back into reading my Stephen King books, so I'm hyped on that and I'm excited to get his new one. Which one are you reading Uh, right now? I'm reading the newest one, The Institute. The newest one before uh, this new, newest one came out. This dude he just came cranks him he, out, right? He cranks him out, dude. So like this, The Institute came out at the end of last year, and then just about a month ago, he released a book that is for short stories. But short story means like novella length, like each is like 200 yeah. pages or so. He, and so I'm gonna get that, that one next. Yeah. Yeah, and then he just put them out all at once because, like, the publisher was probably like, Steven, you, you can only put out one book right now. You can't put out all four. And he was like, fuck it. <laughs> this is the book then. Yeah. That's cool. What man. about you? Uh, I've been doing good. You know, uh, work schedule seems less chaotic now. Seems like I might be getting into a rhythm, which would be nice because that was a hard adjustment for a while. Oh, but yeah. noticing that uh, the amount of time that I do have to myself now that things have like evened out a bit i'm hoping that once i get a bit more comfortable with it fingers crossed that it doesn't change i can find more time to just like do stuff in my free time and hang out and not be super worried about it which would be which would be killer and i think there's one other thing that we need to shout out at the top of the show that we're both just outrageously excited about which is that the podcast looks a little different uh for the first time since we started so coming up on a year soon we, uh, we finally have a new look, something that we've been playing around with for a while, and I don't think we could have asked for a better result. Is that fair to say? Oh, yeah. This is this is the Black Christmas 1974 of, of art. It's just the best. It couldn't be any better. Yeah, so you guys might notice that there's two little guys that are us, and um, for a long time, listeners, we're holding uh, the Rage Carry 2, an episode you should go listen to about a movie you should go watch. I will die on that hill made of movies in our art about that movie. And Liam is holding arguably the best Halloween movie, I think is what we've decided, which is Halloween Resurrection. And um, all of that amazing art comes from the one and only Jade Dickinson, who you can find on Twitter, on Instagram, rather, 
as uh, Jade Sketches, who we will link in the description as long as this podcast exists because we don't know how to say thank you enough for how good this fucking art is. I've done nothing but look at it since we've received it. Oh, it is incredible. I would hang it up on my wall. I would frame it. Everyone I've shown it to just absolutely loves it. There's there's a new thing to notice and get stoked on every time. It yeah. really is like a like a dense, amazing movie that way, you know. I love your eyebrows and I love I love just last night I noticed this that I'm wearing a shirt beneath my striped shirt. Yeah. Which is like totally my thing, and uh, it's just—it's amazing. The detail. The shoes on have the, shoelaces, uh, which I think is cute. And I love the way our little legs are just sticking out, yeah. and our varying expressions, and uh, you know, our little rosy noses and cheeks, and it's just—it's incredible. Yeah. So a huge, constant thank you to Jade for that, and uh, we're hoping sometime soon to also get her on the show. So maybe we can talk a little bit about that more when that happens. Uh, but we would be remiss if we did not make a big fucking deal out of it because it's very cool and we're so stoked on it. Speaking of things to be stoked on, I think I've asked you this question before, Liam. How do you feel <laughs> about shark movies? Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, well, hey, an answer isn't immediately jumping to mind, so I might contradict myself as to when you last asked me this. Um, but because nothing is jumping to mind, that means like they're they're okay to me. Um when I like when it comes to creature features and horror movies for me, I like stuff that's a bit more um, out there, a bit more outlandish, like the blob or like uh, what else can we do? Creature feature, uh, the, like a big wolf man. Yeah, like a, a wolf man. A big wolf man. Yeah, yeah. The the really <laughs> big Bigfoot movies they have on Amazon Prime. Large I like those. Yeah, like, <laughs> uh, but no sh- shark movies. They're they're cool. I mean, I like movies that rely on isolation, and a lot of shark movies do that. Someone's isolated on a boat or um, on a rock or in a cage, in an ancient you know? underground city. That's right. So I I dig stuff like that, but you know, honestly, the the whole concept of shark movies kind of bums me out just because. Um, we've made sharks out to be like so evil and a lot of people have been made to be scared of sharks which is why i find a bit more comfort in the movies that are a bit crazier because i think you can you can write a really really good shark movie and then just change the shark to like a crazier creature and i think you might have a a better movie like a megalodon (laughs) totally i can totally see remember the big Yeah, I could totally see where those Sharknado movies came from because it's just, it's so easy to play out the shark thing. You know, I looked up the movie we're talking about tonight on Amazon Prime and uh, it yielded three or four other shark movies and every single one, the poster looks exactly the same, dude. It's just a shark with a big mouth. Yeah, it's just a shark. The scary thing is the shark part. Like, that's all they've got is, are you scared of sharks? You right, could argue yeah. they're anti-shark propaganda. Yeah, from, yeah. from the and, pockets of like big fishermen. Right, and as far as I'm concerned, this is an anti-anti-shark podcast. So the sh- the shark thing doesn't really get me going. But I do like survival movies. I like isolation movies. I like creature feature movies. So so there's definitely stuff in there that could scratch my itch. Yeah, well, and obviously we've talked about Jaws three, which almost does that because this shark is apparently 
like magic or psychic and can hold grudges and like track people down on like globe trekking adventures which is like one degree short of just like having a magical monster in your movie so we almost got there um this movie which is 47 meters down uncaged which was originally going to be called 48 meters down which is the funniest thing they possibly could have called what were they thinking dude i get that like when you have an original movie and you want to sequelize it the initial thing is always that you just you change the number you know oceans 11 oceans 12 um but it's just it doesn't make any sense like we're, <laughs> what we're increasing the stakes by going down one further meter like that's supposed to in the get first people movie, interested in it in the first movie are they actually 47 meters down because that sounds extremely far right as as i recall they are that far okay. down yeah um, yeah. And then there was what, like a big shark was there, and that's bad. Also, hang on, there's no cage in this movie. That's the thing, dude. So this title is probably even more stupid than 48 <laughs> meters down, honestly, because one, I don't think they talk about being 47 meters down. Never in this. once. So it's, just, it's just a branding thing. It might as well be like 47 meters down presents uncaged. And two, there's no cage in this movie, so the uncaged it only relates to the first movie in that it's saying this is 47 meters down, <laughs> but without a cage, they, like no cage at all. They should have called it like 47 meters down presents Mexican spelunking adventure featuring shark. Totally, totally. As it is, it just sounds like this is like 47 meters down the extended cut released on DVD. You know, yeah, and they call oh, it for sure. Uncaged. This sounds yeah. like a movie that you would find in one of those Walmart bins that is just like 800 movies deep and like you reach in and you pull out like uh, Christmas Story 8 and you're like, I didn't even know that was a thing. But here it is yeah. in one of those really thin DVD cases. You know the ones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whenever Corey and I get hard up for material, we just go to a Walmart just, and we dig yeah, into one of those. We're going to go bad movie spunking. <laughs> yeah. And, but dude, it's just, it, it was just a bad title from the beginning, 47 meters down. It doesn't really give you anywhere to go. I know it was originally titled In the Deep. Okay. And that was that was that was back when it was a straight to video release. So 47 meters down came out on video, you know, straight to streaming, and then it did well enough and like got some interest oh. that they they thought, okay, we're gonna pull it and we're gonna release it in theaters wait, like a year from now. And so wait, they did that. Hang on, hold on. First of all, a I didn't realize you were a 47 meters down expert. You'll need to continue. B it got released on streaming, did numbers, they took it down and released it in theaters. Yeah, as far as Holy I remember, that's what happened. Holy shit. That's yeah. fucking crazy. I think it was only out for like a, like a day or two. It was, certainly wasn't a long time. Uh, if you'll indulge me, I'm going to confirm that. All right. Because that sounds nuts. Uh, Entertainment Studios canceled the August 2nd home release and instead committed to a theatrical release. Um, so I don't know if it actually hit streaming before they changed that, but mm. you're definitely right. The working title for the film was 47 Meters Down, which Dimension Films changed to In the Deep for home release. But when ah. Entertainment Studios bought it, they went back to 47 Meters Down. Oh, Dimension had already sent out screeners and shipped DVDs to retailers. Ah, so DVDs yeah, so called In the Deep had to get recalled, but then some retailers broke the street date, so some people saw the movie in the deep, 
and then 47 meters down got put in theaters which is that there you go. Yeah, that's got to be what it is. Because I definitely, once 47 Meters Down down came out theatrically, I heard from some people who reviewed it that said, I saw this movie a year ago, um, but now so here funny. it is again. Yeah. Uh, it came out the same weekend as Cars 3, so dare I say, ka-chow. Damn, dude. That Damn. If we were doing the podcast back then, that would have been a big weekend for a us. A big double feature. Yeah. Big double feature. Go to the theaters and see Cars 3 and then go see fucking... 49 meters uncaged or whatever the fuck um so you've clearly seen the first movie am i wrong it sounds like you have you're not wrong okay Uh, i have i have seen it so when it came out i was um i i was actually pretty interested because i wasn't thinking of it as a shark movie i was thinking of it as like a a siege narrative which is a movie where someone is stuck in a precarious position and the longer they're there the more dangerous it gets that's a term that's coined by a fellow podcaster jay of the dead on horror movie podcast and horror movie weekly and i love love movies like that and so the premise of 47 meters down is that these two women who have never really gone scuba diving before um get put into cages and lowered 47 meters down to look at sharks and then they get stuck the people who are operating the lines can't bring them back up and so they're down here with their uh rapidly diminishing air tanks and while sharks are swimming around them and so that sounded really interesting to me because it was just a movie with few characters being stuck in a place for the whole movie and so i was interested for that reason but i wasn't interested enough to see it in the theater it took me a while to get around to it i think i eventually caught it maybe a year after its release on netflix and how did you feel about it when you finally saw it you know i (laughs) (laughs) um the thing that i remember most about the movie is that there's sort of a swerve that happens right at the beginning of the of the third act yeah and i was convinced that holy shit this movie that is just like an average uh generic like summer shark movie just went from being like uh, a five to like an eight Mm. it went super hard really quickly and i was absolutely floored and then um Without spoiling it, though I will spoil the effect it had on me, and you might clue into this as you're watching the movie. If you get excited uh, near the end of the movie, just know that it might not stick, because then I feel that they totally um, shy away from what they were doing, and they pull back, and they redo the cool stuff they just did. And so by the end of the movie, I it, it was just it was kind of a middling 5 out of 10 okay. type of movie. I mean, you can't um, spoil it if you want. But is it too new? Is that what we're doing? Because it's a 2017 movie. Is that the concern here? Yeah, yeah, I'll save it. If it were just you and I talking in a room, I would. Tell me later because I'm not going to watch it, but I am curious as to what you mean. Yeah, and and I think that I was into the movie enough and its idea that when the sequel was announced, I had the same sort of interest I had for the first one, which is that I don't think I'll rush out to see this movie, but the idea of people being stuck underwater with sharks sounds kind of cool so i was also interested to see this movie i almost caught it in the theater with my girlfriend because uh, we're both into sharks and she had seen the first one and uh dogged on it like i did and we thought it would be fun to check out and and we didn't get to it but we did uh watch this together the other night so um i'm, I'm glad to complete that part of my life yeah there you go and um 
I didn't... I mean, I knew, like, the movie existed. And by that, I mean the first one. And then I knew about this because it's been on our list for a while. We have that big master list of, like, sequels and reboots and shit that no one talks about. Um, And it, and it, it had been on there, and we were going to get to it eventually, but I didn't know anything about it. And we've talked a bit about with the Jaws episode that I'm not deeply familiar with, like, the shark subgenre of horror movies. But I also, like small intimate movies small casts few locations that kind of thing so i'm like yeah you can make it work uh the plot sounds dangerously similar to the first movie and as far as it's four people uh we have like two stepsisters and then their two friends who don't have a ton of scuba diving experience who then do that get stuck somewhere and sharks are there and they have to get out which um you know, sounds a lot like that other movie you were just talking about, 47 meters down. Except and, um, now there's no cage. Except now it's been uncaged, dare this I is, say. This, this is like, they should have just called it, to be more clear, 47 meters down, colon, or parentheses, without a cage. Yeah, or they should have just called it, like, 47 meters down in a cave. Yeah. Something like that. Um, But, you know, going into this, we didn't know anything about this movie, I don't think. Um, and to give a quick rundown, it's directed by, uh, Johan Roberts or Johans Roberts, who also directed, if you can believe it, 47 meters down and, um, a sequel to the strangers, which is called the strangers pray at night. Um, but it's P-R-E-Y. Oh, it's not, have you seen that? Oh yeah. Many times. It's also on our list of show of movies to cover here. And after that movie came out, um, it got me more interested to see this one because I thought he stepped away from the shark thing. He did a (laughs) a cool slasher movie. And so maybe now he can bring that back and, and one up the movie that he did the first time around. So that, that was a selling point for me. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. That's cool. Uh, he also wrote this movie with Ernest Riera edited by Martin Brinkler, cinematography by Mark Silk, neither of which have Wikipedia pages for me to go spolunk for details. But Liam, right before we started recording, I said I discovered something um, Yeah. that you may or may not know. So this could be like a total failure of a reveal. Um, but the music is by a duo that I just go by Tom and Nandy. And it's one word. And I was yes. like, what other movies have they done? And I was I was thinking, I was looking at it, and one of them is Mean Creek. Oh, I did not know that. Oh, well, there you go. So uh, there's a fun connection for you. That is so cool. Yeah, I, I recognize their name in the credits because I know that they are a duo that scores a shitload of movies. Um, yeah. But I, I wasn't able to recall any of them off the top of my head, and I don't think I've ever known that. I didn't know that they were associated with Mean Creek. That is so cool. Yeah, and I i mean, we find a way to talk about Mean Creek, I'd say, at least once every two or three episodes. So this is us hitting that quota, and someday I'll have to see it, and then we can talk about it more in depth on our own time. Yeah. We'll uh, hold out for a couple more years to see if they drop Mean Creek 2, and then if not, we'll just we'll go <laughs> in and watch Mean Creek Uncaged. <laughs> um, mean Creek 2, 47 meters down. <laughs> and then, so there was another big reveal. Um, before I watched this movie, you told me that there was something that was going to quote, blow my mind in this movie. And you said like, I can't look up the movie. I didn't like, I basically found it on Amazon prime while covering my eyes to make sure I got no additional information. And so I'm watching, (laughs) I'm watching the opening credits to this movie. 
And I'm like, oh, man. there's not really many names I recognize. There's Sistine Stallone. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if she's related to Sylvester Stallone. And she is. So it's like, oh, okay. And then I later found out that Corinne Fox, who's also in this movie, is Jamie Fox's daughter. I'm like, that checks out. They have the same name. Um, one of the actresses was in a MTV series based on the movie Scream, which I just thought you might find interesting. Mm. But yeah, not, haven't, not, haven't seen it. None of this is what you told me to get excited about. Because, <laughs> because Dr. Dad is in this movie. John yes. Corbett of To All the Boys I've Loved Before, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, Sex in the City, and 47 Meters Down Uncaged Fame. The man we can't escape despite never knowing yeah. when he's going to show up. He's here. And he's playing the same character he's always playing, which is Dr. Dad. <laughs> and he's so milk toast and uninteresting that, Liam, could you talk about when you realized he was in the movie? Because it was not when you saw his name. It was not when I saw his name. Okay, so this John Corbett guy, just to refresh you guys. Um, How I could saw you him... forget? Yeah, I saw him for the first time in To All the Boys I've Loved Before 2, P.S. I Love You, and then he showed up on our podcast shortly after in My Big Fat Greek Wedding 2, and I didn't recognize him at all. I didn't realize that this was a dude from a movie we had seen before. You had and, just seen, like, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and so Corey and I talked about that, just how forgettable I found this guy to be, and then... I got into watching Sex in the City in this last month or so, and I really liked John Corbett's character. But I didn't realize that it was John Corbett. I didn't realize <laughs> it was the dude I'd seen before. And eventually I looked him up, not because I recognized him, but just because I wanted to know who played this character I liked. And it was the dude from these two movies that I had seen recently. And so when we had Final Neil on the podcast last week to talk about American Reunion, um, he came up again because Neil is a fan of Sex and the City. We talked more about John Corbett and and his character on Sex and the City, Aiden. And so he's become a talkable guy for us. He's definitely on my mind lately. Borderline more mascot. Borderline mascot, yeah. And uh, once I started watching this movie, John Corbett's name came on in the opening credits. And I, I might have thought for half a second, hey, that name sounds familiar. And then I was past it. And so I didn't realize that John Corbett was in this movie <laughs> until his first scene when he is immediately Dr. Dad. There's no question. Like his first line, I knew what character he was playing. So I didn't have to think about it at all. Honestly, if he had been playing a bit of a different character here, I might have been stuck again. I might not have realized it was him. <laughs> but he shows you, up. How can you just not remember this man's face at all? <laughs> I don't know, dude. I have no idea. But yeah, he shows up and is just the same guy he always is. And he's yeah. emoting in the exact same way. He looks the same, but he's got a vest on this time, so you know he goes underwater because um, he dresses like a bit of a guy that hangs out outside. But he's back in the same, like, just trying to be, like, cool and, like, caring but aloof with his teenage daughter and like, hey, like, remember when we used to do this thing when you were a kid and da-da-da-da? He's just Dr. Dad again. And his job is so specialized, he's definitely a doctor, and he's certainly a dad. So in both name and actuality, he's just Dr. Dad again. Dude, it 
I don't know what he does in the Sex and the City movies. I'm not sure if that becomes the character he plays because at the point in the show I'm watching, he's not a doctor nor a dad. But besides that, he's not that different from his character so, that he plays in all these other movies. He's just like a pleasant so kind of So even on okay Sex and the dude. City, he still is Dr. Dad. He's just not yeah. a doctor or a dad. But he is, quote unquote, Dr. Dad, the persona we've prescribed to him. That's it, man. So so maybe Sex in the City like two came out and Hollywood realized that this is the dude that we need to play our Dr. Dads in all these forever. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't I don't know where it came from, but we we had to have checked off everything he's in now. No right? way. Cause I've visited his Wikipedia page a couple times since discovering him again in Big Fat Creek Wedding 2. And then again in Sex in the City. And I swear that at least at the top of the page, it, it has to say he's known for Sex in the City, My Big Fat Greek Wedding 2, and To All the Boys I've Loved Before. Like those are his three big things that that make him known to a lot of different generations and types of people. And now we've discovered like him in this in this underrated uncut gem of a movie. There can't be any more. This has to be it. Um, well, I'm looking at his filmography, and not only is it longer than I dare say it has any right to be, but there's at least one more movie here that we could do on this show just by looking at its title. So we're not quite done. You gotta tell me what it is. It is one of the God's Not Dead spinoffs. Oh my gosh. Uh it's called a, God's Not Dead A Light in the Darkness. Um wow. where he plays the atheist. <laughs> that's his that's his like title in the movie, his character. Pierce Hill, Dave Hill's estranged brother who is an atheist. Huh. So we have to do it now, right? We have to round out. Yeah, that sounds kind of like he's breaking type. Yeah. Gotta do it. Finish <laughs> off the John Corbett cast. Seemingly, he'd have to be the antagonist at that point. I don't want to read the plot summary. Um, oh, dare, oh, this just says the trilogy. So yeah, it's just part of the trilogy. The third installment of the God's Not Dead series. So right. um, I actually have some some history with those. Because I went to a Catholic mm. high school. And um, we watched it. We watched the first one in a class. And oh my god we ripped it apart so hard and the teacher was so mad at us. But like, we basically did a live riff track over the movie in the class. Cause believe it or not, Liam, they're very fucking bad. Does that mean we, as in like you and your friends or the entire class? Well, some people in the class just weren't interested in engaging with the movie at all. We knew that we were going to rip it up, rip it apart. And we did. And you know, I could hear listeners saying, hey, man, maybe that's an uncool thing to do to your teacher. And maybe you're right. But also, we were teenagers. And why did they think that they could show that movie to a class of teenagers that wouldn't laugh at it? That's my big question. Yeah, fair enough, dude. Yeah, we got to tie up our John Corbett God's Not Dead loose end as soon as possible, I guess. Coming soon to They Made Another One. (laughs) Um, The other... We had another actor realization here which is so the lead character who is mia is played by sophie uh Nelise, which is a name i'm probably not saying right um and i didn't recognize that name at all 
but there was something about i'm like i've seen this person in something before this person feels familiar i went to liam while i was watching the movie and i was like do you rec did you recognize this person did you know what they were in seeing if he could just like figure that out so i didn't have to think about it the entire movie so i looked it up i don't know how my brain remembered this <laughs> but um there's a movie that we saw in a first year film class a class that we've talked about before it's called monsieur lazar um she is like the lead kid because the movie's set in a school partially she's like the lead kid in that movie so i remembered her from a movie that came out nine years ago <laughs> that i saw in a class um because i've since seen that movie two more times so i guess it's just in there because i've seen it three times uh but i was like man who the fuck is this i know who this is um and i don't know i guess my brain decided it could put those two things together but so there was a lot of discovery going on in this movie that's impressive man did you did you have a reason to watch it those other two times what i just like? like it um oh, i just yeah. thought it was good the one time i was one of our local theaters um the bytown theater was doing like a canadian film series i believe around it was for canada 150 and so i had interviewed one of the or i think i interviewed the owner who was also programming it about like what they were doing for a story for school and when i was at the theater that was the movie they were playing so i just stayed to watch it and i think and then one other time i think i just watched it because i like the movie i think i just like it so i mean i haven't seen it in like several years now since then but yeah i don't know it got around i guess something about it must have stuck with me yeah, I mean, that explains it. No wonder you remembered her, man. Yeah. And, Important um, figure in your life. Fucking apparently. And um, her and John Corbett. Uh, those are the two big ones. And um, yeah, so as we mentioned, this is a movie that uh, it's set in Mexico. Um, there's some girls that go to a school. Mia is our main one. She doesn't fit in and gets bullied. And her stepsister, Sasha, doesn't really give a shit. Um at the beginning of the movie, she gets pushed into a pool uh, in a shockingly cool shot uh, because you don't really realize that that's what it is. And it's in slow motion and it's from the pool like you're shooting underwater. Uh, and we'll get into that because some of the underwater in this movie looks weird, in my opinion. But this looked cool. And so they go home and their parents are like, yo, man, what the fuck? Why is she soaking wet in inside of a pool? And Sasha doesn't want to get involved. She's got plans with her friends to go to, like, a cool secret place. Dr. Dad is a guy who is doing some kind of, like, archaeology or some shit. I don't really care. But uh, he's, like, excavating this underwater Mayan city. And they just found a new entrance for it. And uh, to try to make Mia feel more comfortable. Uh, because as we learn, her mom has died. So there's, like, a step-family blending thing going on here. Uh, they make some plans for Sasha and Mia to go hang out on a boat with a glass bottom and look at sharks because her dad had also recently found a shark tooth and sharks are cool. And um, they go there and for some reason, the even though our main characters have said this is a lame thing that only tourists would do, uh, the cool bitchy kids from school are there to go on the boat ride, which I didn't fully understand. But that pushes them to go with Sasha's friends uh, in their Jeep. Uh, because this movie is all the bullying in this movie is brought to you by Jeep. And um, they happen to go to a place near 
that other entrance that they found. And after some good, wholesome peer pressure, uh, everyone wants to go take a quick spin of the mouth of that cave where that city is, and then they're going to get back out. And uh, they get trapped down there, and there's a shark in there, and then they have to get out and get away from the shark, and that's the whole thing. Cut and dry. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess I'm oh, it's just fucking... Did you like it? What did you think? Like... Yeah, I liked it more as it went along. Um, it started off being a bit cheesy, and it didn't look too good. The underwater mm. wasn't looking great. The, it, the shark. It's went... Uncanny Valley. Un- like, I can't tell if they even actually shot it underwater. That's how yeah, weird yeah. it looks. <laughs> it looks super weird. And, like, the main action shots with the sharks. Um, the sharks it look ca- really ca- bad. It kind of looks like a 3D movie that I'm watching in 2D. You know, like when you when you watch like a movie that came out 10 years ago that was shot for 3D and then you see it in 2D and it's just like the shot composition was meant for a 3D audience. And so now it just looks kind of weird. Stuff is like getting jabbed at the camera in slow motion and it just it, it doesn't look great. And so uh, there was a lot that really dragged this movie down for a lot of it. I think uh, the editing was really strange in some places where shots or scenes just go on way too long. Like they're just trying to fill movie length time. And it's 82 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, like the music, uh, really didn't sit well with me. I love the music in mean Creek, but Tom and Andy, I don't know what you're doing here. And, and also the song choices, um, that aren't scores and are just are put in are just really, (laughs) really strange. It, Uh, It feels yeah objection <laughs> yeah i actually like the music in this movie holy shit um but here's the thing i don't want to fully disagree with you that like its placement isn't bad because sometimes it is but there were some things i'm remembering especially early on when they're like driving out to like where this place is but there's just some like oh. interesting synthesizer shit that they do i don't mean like the uh whatever like pop music they were using but like there's some score based like synth stuff like the more ambient bits that i liked and whatever the fuck song the dude was listening to that was welding before he got like eaten by a shark uh i remember having a good time with (laughs) yeah yeah that was fun Um, and there there was a really cool sequence in this where they use a a carpenter song and karen carpenter is singing and that i thought that was really cool i love when people take old songs and uh put them over something that it wouldn't necessarily be put over you know like tiny tim and insidious he does it also this director with strangers too he uses total clips of the heart in a kill sequence and i love that stuff so so there was some cool stuff here but also there was some yeah really really bad stuff yeah i I like some stuff about the score but i'm not gonna like die on the hill that it's like an amazing score but there was some stuff that they were doing i think just because of some other music that i listened to like on my own time had some like stylistic affinities with that. So I was like, yeah, I just want to get that in there uh, while nice. we had the music going. Cause I don't think it's enough to like give it a whole quote unquote segment of this episode, but yeah. 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 Um, on the topic of the music, we might as well just get it all out of the way. This, the pop song that is playing when they're on the drive. Yeah, it's what so, song is that? <laughs> I don't, I don't know, dude. It's so stock. I bet you that you could like find it for, 
either free or less than five bucks on like the YouTube music library to use in this podcast. Like it just it feels like a song that they just had to get because the music budget was so shot. Yeah. And it really feels that way when they get to the water and they're playing around um, and the same song plays again. It's like a like a reprise of the same song. And it's the weirdest thing. It's five minutes apart from each other. And it is, I, I don't know what they were thinking. And so in a lot of ways, this movie feels like a direct-to-video movie. <laughs> Before we started recording, Corey asked me if this came out theatrically. And I told him, yeah, just because I remember it coming out. But if, if I didn't remember that, you know, if this was a movie that we were talking about from before our time, I would have assumed that this was direct to video. Um, so the the main problems that I had with this movie were, were things like that, where it just felt like the movie was made really quickly and with as... Um, as low of a budget as possible because the first movie was successful and so they wanted to get this out after the dude had sort of cut his teeth with strangers prey at night and his shark teeth yeah and so in that way the movie really did uh not work for me but as it carried on and some of the beats the plot beats got a bit crazier and we get into different set pieces it becomes kind of like an adventure movie people start dying um i i actually started to have a lot of fun with the movie and i think that that's probably the stuff that attracted the director to this movie he was he probably thought after doing 47 meters down and having a couple of couple of years in between it's like if i if i did another shark movie what would i put in it what what could be cool and i think that stuff really starts to come in the last half hour or so and so if i'm looking at my notes here i mean the first two-thirds of my notes are all uh kind of jabs and um and stuff that didn't work for me at all i think the only thing up here that i really loved in the first half was the karen carpenter song but then the the bottom third of my notes is just like calling things super sick there's just a lot of really cool sick stuff that happens <laughs> near the end so it, it ended up being being pleasant enough and uh, certainly more pleasant than the first movie because the thing that got me about the first movie that i really did like i felt was taken away from me by the end where i whereas i don't feel like that happened here um and actually really stuck for me. So I, I certainly do like this more than the first movie, and it doesn't work for me all the way through, but, but I ended up having a good amount of fun with it. Really quick, I just want to say, I looked up uh, a playlist on Spotify. It's called 47 Meters Down Uncaged Soundtrack. Um, and I thought I was going to be able to find the song that repeats early on. But this movie, not this uh, playlist, not only doesn't have that Karen Carpenter song, it's got a ton of songs that I don't remember being in the movie at all. And I'm not convinced they're in the right order, so it's not helping me very much. So somebody else is going to have to sleuth that one out for themselves. Um, that said, um, you know, this movie is fine. Um, it it borders on boring. Uh, large chunks of it are boring. Um, it shows a shocking amount of restraint with the shark until it realizes that it was showing restraint and decides that it doesn't want to show any restraint anymore at all and then it starts using the shark too much um but like you're saying there are some good beats it's not anything that you're not gonna see coming it's like 
some like friendship is magic type shit where these girls are able to like come together and like you know get over whatever differences they might have or the fact that me is like the uncool one and try to like help each other out um that goes well for about half of them uh and the other two don't have as good a time by which i mean they do not survive but to your point there uh there really is some really hilarious shit near the end the shark just kind of keeps coming and yeah people keep ending up in the mouths of sharks and not dying or getting eaten oh man but, yeah. but I, I don't want to get there right away because uh you know a lot of it's boring a lot of it looks cheap a lot of the underwater like cinematography looks really weird um it looks like maybe they it was shot in like a pool but like the set wasn't there and somehow they just put in a set around them um except for moments where they're like filming in the air pocket which for the record looked terrible and uncomfortable uh where it's like well yeah they had to build a set for this i think some of the way the light looks underwater and some of what they do with the color especially when like silt is getting kicked up and stuff like that and people can't see i think some of it looks cool Weirdly enough, some of the underwater kind of cinematography where it's close up on a wide lens uh, and is really fluid that they're doing at the beginning of the movie when they're like in the fucking driveway uh, doesn't really serve like a thematic purpose. But I just liked how it looked in a vacuum, basically. I just thought it was interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, But in terms of like the narrative thrust of the movie, it's like you're not getting anything here that you have not seen before. I think with the main four girls, there are flashes in the pan of like cool things with the uh, performances. I feel like they're convincingly freaking the fuck out and terrified. But again, it's not something that's going to like knock your socks off or anything. There's worse ways to spend like 80 minutes, but it's shocking how slow so much of the movie feels until it makes that sort of conscious change near the end to be like what if we weren't slow anymore yeah yeah i felt that as well uh i'm just gonna get to it now then uh this movie has one of the funniest deaths i've ever seen in my life in anything and it might be because of who it is and i'm showing my hand a little (laughs) bit here but so there is a point where they're still stuck in this underground city but they knew that the crew which is her dad and two other guys were down there and um they're able to find dr dad oh man but but before that the dr dad is like dangled so much in front of this in front of this girl like a it's a carrot she's chasing it is hilarious and so perfect for us he just shows up yeah like out of nowhere we don't see him show up i was worried for a while that we weren't gonna see him again or that we weren't gonna see him until the very end when she's like reunited with him i was worried that he wasn't gonna be as much of a character and so when it turns out that her dad is somewhere down there and she's calling out for him i was so stoked the fact that we're gonna get dr dad in the water and so So, when we finally get to him it is so so, cool yeah i would imagine so we get dr dad and they're in this like nightmare underwater city and there is a shark near them and the girls are like coming up with a plan to distract it and he is as cool and collected and dr dad as he's ever been in his fucking life and it just doesn't work at all because i respect that some people are able to keep their composure in like high stress situations this feels a little bit fucking different 
You you can see a gigantic blind shark, Dr. Dad. What the fuck are you doing? Um, but they get out to this, like, open area, and they had this thing set up, this, like, pulley that they can get them out. But the shark shows back up again, and Nicole freaks the fuck out and uh, is so impatient that she destroys it. And so they're oh all just trapped gosh. in the water. They're trapped in this pool, and the top of it's way too high up. <laughs> Dr. Dad is the only one who knows where the entrance to this cave is. They're f- basically <laughs> fucked unless he says they can get to the ocean, which they can somehow access from down in that city, um, which must mean that if on the limited air supply they had, which only becomes a factor when the movie decides it needs to be a factor, because they spend a lot of time screaming and crying and masks that would have wasted a lot of air and it doesn't seem to make a huge difference. But um, if they were that close to the ocean that they could like swim to it relatively easily as amateurs, how hard would it have been to find that opening if they just sat there? Anyway, um... Dr. Dad is giving his Dr. Dad speech where he's like, girls, you know, we're going to band together. We're going to make this work. All we have to do is get out to the ocean. It's a brilliant, it's the brilliant. All we have to do is get out to the ocean. Dr. Dad is as chill and composed as he's ever been in his life. And suddenly the movie goes slow motion. And from the side, a shark just gets Dr. Dad and, like, you see his head get, like, whiplash in slow motion and he's in this shark's mouth. And it just fucking annihilates him and Dr. Dad is gone. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, dude. It is. And it's it's, so funny. And it's so unexpected. It is so unexpected. The way that they're chasing after Dr. Dad the entire movie. Um... And also, let's not forget that this isn't the first death in the movie. So before this, the girls run into someone, a boy who's about their age, who's working down there. And um, it's either Ben or Carl. I think it's no yeah. ben, ben is first. Carl is the welding guy. Yeah. So they they run into Ben, who they know from the outside world, and, who and he's going to help them. To be them. close enough, even though they had said when they decided to go into the cave that they were literally miles away. Yeah, And then yeah. it just turns out that they're not because that means that, again, on limited water in an underground city that only one person knows the full layout of, they swam for miles. But yeah, it's a, it's a very it's a holy movie. And I'm, I'm not really a plot hole guy. I don't I'm a slow thinker and my brain doesn't go these places. But my brain picked out a lot of things in this movie that don't line up. Um, and so we, we kind of just got to take that for what it is. And so. Yeah, Ben shows up and he knows the way around these caves well and he's about to save them. And then he gets got immediately by a shark. So this movie and that's has the already... first time the shark really does anything. Yeah, yeah. So this movie has already done its big shark reveal. It's done its surprising kill where you think someone is going to be the savior and then they get got immediately. So honestly, I thought once they got to Dr. Dad, he wasn't going anywhere, at least not yet. I thought if he did go, it would be a lot slower. It would be uh, like he's like bleeding from the mouth right after like getting his leg chomped off. And yeah. He's like, oh. I love you guys so much. And it's it's not that at all. This movie, it, it almost kills off Ben so that Dr. Dad can later die. It's it's absolutely brilliant. And the fact that he's giving off this speech of like how how calm and cool he is, and then he gets got, it it honestly reads 
like the director saw Big Fat Greek Wedding do and like Sex in the City. And, and to all the boys all- and was like, this would be hilarious. This guy is super cool all the time, but nothing ever happens to him. He's just he's just carries on life. He's just mellow and he's just cool. So the fact that he's that guy, but then all it leads is to him getting demolished by a shark is <laughs> amazing. Shot being in slow mo is so unnecessary. Oh, slow mo in this movie is so egregious. It's so bad. There's this shot at the end where I can't decide if I thought this looked cool or not. Where Mia who has become like a like an uber yeah. badass all yeah. of the it's sudden. a flare gun right yeah it's a flare gun she yeah um so <laughs> i just have to explain the ending now so yeah. sasha and mia after some trials and tribulations that frankly don't matter get to the ocean and in my head i'm like you know i get that there were sharks in this cave and that's bad but there's definitely sharks in the ocean still so they shouldn't feel that safe and they see a boat out there um and they're like, oh, cool, we can go swim to that boat. We're safe. Uh, but the boat is throwing chum in the water because the boat is oh. the shark viewing boat that they were supposed to be on. That was an amazing and reveal, the too. Fact, the movie had me, man. And the fact that it's in, like, the same area as wherever they came out from this ancient city where we don't even know where the entrance is relative to where we are now. Fuck it. Who cares? And um, they're swimming over to that through, like, chum in the water. And there are just many sharks like there is a comical number of sharks so many sharks. so there are so they're trying to get on the boat um and there is a point where sasha gets picked up by a shark and then they get her out of the shark's mouth and then they alert the people on the boat by hitting the glass bottom um of the boat and uh the bully kid is in there And then later Mia just sort of stares the bully kid down. And for some reason, we're supposed to believe that means anything to anybody. Uh, Because why would it? Um, All the bully knows is that Mia and Sasha have been through something traumatic. I don't know if she's proved anything to the bully that the bully should need to think that she's not a dork now. But whatever. That's I guess that's not the point. But um, so they're swimming through this. And uh, Sasha gets eaten by the shark again <laughs> um and mia gets on the boat and there's a guy trying to pull out a flare gun and she just goes like fuck you get out of the way grabs the flare gun dives back into the water <laughs> and while not wearing a mask and screaming in the ocean with a shark wound i think she has the shark wound already did she get eaten by the shark herself before or after the flare gun oh dude i think after holy shit i think after either way uh she's screaming in the ocean that's full of raw meat in slow motion and fires a flare gun that has two different angles of the flare shooting through the water in slow motion and neither angle would lead you to believe that that would not like really fuck up sasha who was again in a shark's mouth Dude, oh, as you describing <laughs> And then the shark it, just lets her go. They go to get back on the boat. Mia gets b- eaten by the shark in the same style as Dr. Dad, which is like, it's from the side. They're in the mouth, yeah. but it's like not biting down or doing anything. And then she uses the shark tooth that her dad gave her to punch the shark in the face enough that it lets her go. <laughs> Man. Um... And I guess we didn't mention this yet, but this movie's kind of like underwater don't breathe because the sharks in the underground cave city are also <laughs> blind. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. That's the note I wrote down. 
<laughs> I wrote, uh, let me find it, because I, I wrote, like, um, it's blind, this is don't breathe in a cave. Oh, yeah. And then we get to that point where the sharks try to inseminate the girls. It's, it's wicked, man. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, and you know what's weird? I actually had a note that said, is this movie PG-13 from earlier on? Because I was like, there's no violence. Like, even the deaths aren't violent. So then for the movie to, to crank that up to like 800 at the end is so funny. Yeah, dude, this is what I wanted Jaws the Revenge to it be. It saves the viewing As, experience. Totally. As you're describing this, the amount of like, I don't know what you would call them, um, like false endings is just absolutely incredible. The movie is only 80 minutes long, but once you think they're out of this bad situation, it gets worse, and then it just gets worse, and then you think it's gotten so bad that they've lost, and it's over, and then it gets and then it gets worse, and it just keeps going, and it really, really becomes a rewarding climax. Yeah, and, you know, the rest of it's not terrible. It's just really slow and kind of one note, so there's just not a lot to latch onto. You're mostly kind of bored. And the way the movie looks fluctuates from being like, I would say the underwater stuff occasionally fluctuates from being genuinely compelling looking. Like there are some great shots that feel like, uh, like they echo a lot of like space horror movies with like this really dark cavernous, like void and like a light just shining through it. Some of it looks cool. Um, I find, like, the less focused it is on the characters and the more, like, abstract it looks, the better it looks. But some of it just looks really fucking bizarre and bad. And, you know, through no fault of the actor's own, like, there's only so much going on with these characters. Like, they're just stock. They're not even, like, Nicole's kind of reckless. Um, but she also spends plenty of the movie not being reckless. Uh, yeah, so when when she decides to be really reckless for and no reason. climb that rope, yeah. it is hilarious. And that was the turning point of the movie for yeah, me, where I knew she that just, I was loving it. It's such a chaotic and hilarious-looking thing that she's trying to do. Um, and then, like, Alexa seems like she's kind of also one of the, like, bad kids who's like, yeah, I was over here with, like, Ben, we were hanging out, he showed me this cool thing. And then she's like, she suddenly becomes more of a scuba diving expert than Mia is and is, like, giving all the instructions and is, like, leader of the group. Um, and is very, like, calm and collected. And then, like, Sasha and Mia are made out to ha be, like, at odds, but there's never a reason for that. And then very quickly, when they're hanging out together, they just all become cool. So there's not even, like, a fun archetype dynamic to really latch onto here. You're waiting for the movie to go off the rails, which even in an 80-ish minute runtime, it waits a really long time to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and then when it does start to slowly pick up um before nicole climbing the rope and dr dad getting killed which is when things really ramp up but when they first see the shark when ben gets killed it's it's it just feels really cheesy it doesn't look good the cg isn't looking good and so it looks like it an feels... early ps3 cutscene. yeah it yeah, like tomb raider. yeah. It, it doesn't yeah. look like the new tomb raider it looks like if the, if a tomb raider game had come out between the original tomb raider and like the square enix tomb raider if you put one in the middle it would look like this yeah yeah so i really thought that this movie wasn't going to pull it off and then because it's so boring i'm focusing on stuff that just doesn't make sense for the plot like I mean, I like I hate to be this guy, but the fact that they don't have flippers on and they're swimming through this <laughs> 47 meters down water, pushing themselves. The fact that when they through jump off this, 
Yeah, that the kills fact that they, somebody almost. <laughs> the, that was that was a good scene. The fact that they they jump off this cliff like spontaneously, and none of them, none of these teenage girls have cell phones in their pockets. They just go for it. That's the a really fact funny that, point. The fact that the fish screams at them. The funniest underwater, thing I've ever seen. The fish screams, there's a fish and it's allowed. Screams. Oh my gosh. And it gets yeah. the attention of the shark that's blind but has like hyper hearing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's just the movie it, it it takes a while to get there and and it, it has some stuff in there that is really head scratching. To be honest, I don't think the ending is enough to justify watching the whole thing. I think honestly you could get away with starting the movie when they find dr dad and watch it for like 30 minutes and you would get the exact same experience absolutely no it's it's not a payoff it's just refreshing when yeah, it happens it's just it doesn't wild. feel it doesn't feel intentional at all it's not it's not like a some of the horror movies i really love like a society or even i would say hereditary where it feels slow for a good long while and then stuff really goes yeah. hard at the end and you're like oh that's what they were going for it's but, it's not that it's just it feels like the movie gets its footing at the end i don't think this movie thinks it's slow i just think it thinks that that opening stuff is genuinely tense which it just isn't that's the big yeah. problem is like you just don't really give a shit um but when it decides to finally get really fucking nuts you're like hell yeah let's fucking go yeah, yeah, and it's honestly, um, I'll be excited to watch Strangers Pray at Night with you and, and get your thoughts on that because I think it's a very similar thing. There's plot holes in that movie that are really bothersome. There's some forced uh, family dynamics where they really try to get you invested in the family and it's not working, and there's some really silly action beats that are shot in really peculiar ways, but when the movie gets going, it really, yeah. really gets going and so i think this is just the way this guy does where he just he can't really write a, a compelling script and he he makes some strange filmmaking choices but like once he gets into his groove then then he goes and it just becomes really entertaining popcorn cinema yeah i think if he leaned into his like more heightened tendencies the movies would be more fun for longer and he would probably fall less prey to the stuff that he's not as good at, which is like the family dynamic stuff, because it's just very plain. It's just like, yep, this is a rough approximation of this dynamic that's in other movies. And I think, um, I think that I don't want this to sound like we're treating like plot holes, like film criticism. Cause like, we know that there's more to a movie than plot holes, but you can't help but notice those because the thematic element is so faint like this familial coming together thing is so faint. And then when you consider what the ramifications of these events actually are on that family, they're probably like catastrophically bad, at least in the short term, because what they're just going to go home and explain like, yeah, so dad and several of our friends died today because of a shark, but we're more close than we've ever been. And their mom's just going to be like, nice. Th good job, girls. Like, no, that's not how that's going to go. <laughs> But, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, if you really want to watch a shark movie, this movie's got sharks in it and the ending really does go some places. So there, there's worse ways to spend 80 minutes. 
Totally. And again, I would absolutely suggest this one over the first one, because even the cool place that I thought the first one was going, um, even if it went there, I think where this movie goes is more uh, entertaining. Um, It's maybe not as bold of a choice as I thought we were going to get in the first movie, but this makes for a more fun and a more consistently entertaining watch. Once it gets going, I think there's a lot of stuff in that last half hour that is really, really cool and and different. It goes to a lot of different places in that last half hour. They're in the current, and then they're they're in the rope, and then they're uh, arguably with too the many places. Like they just had too many ideas, and he wanted to get them all in there. Totally, yeah, yeah. It goes. It just it it goes so fast at the end, except for the times when it's slow motion yeah um yeah i think i think that's that pretty much that probably wraps 47 meters down uncaged aka 48 meters aka 47 meters down in a cave um aka dr dad's shark adventures um and i think with that uh, i want to say thank you once again for listening to another episode of they made another one you can find us all over the internet on Twitter at they made another all one word and on a letterbox at TMAO, which I promise I will keep updated at some point. I swear to God, it's going to happen. I'm working on it and I'm sorry. Uh, you can find episodes of the podcast on anchor, Spotify, Apple and Google podcasts, Stitcher breaker and everything else as they made another one. You can also find the links to all the other places we're available on our anchor page. You can reach us via email at tmaopodcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and other secret shocking appearances of Dr. Dad across cinema. Our new fantastic thumbnail art is done by Jade Dickinson, who you can find on Instagram at Jade Sketches. And Liam, where can people find you? You guys can find my film writing alter ego, Graham the Haunted Marshmallow, on Twitter and Letterboxd. My username is Graham the Mallo. And you can catch me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mr. Corey Price. And uh, one more time, I'd like to reiterate that if you are upset or frustrated or angry with the way things are going in the world right now, get out there, donate to causes in your local community that make a difference to you, talk to people, listen to others, try to make a difference. We can do that. And uh, if you're exhausted from being on the grind of trying to do that, spend your time watching a dumb shark movie for a while. There are worse things you could be doing. Totally. Um, And I think with that out of the way, uh, thanks again. And we'll catch you here next week for another episode. They made another one.